We would like to thank Mazapai, an artisan pizzeria and bakery in Louisville, Kentucky, for letting us use their loft to record this episode. Their service, food, and atmosphere all blew our expectations away. So next time you're driving through the area, we highly recommend you take a lunch break to visit this quaint local spot. The Cancer Treatment Centers of America has a program dedicated to laughter. There's a whole department doing these kinds of psychological treatments. It's called the BMD, the Body Medicine Department. According to Dr. Katherine Puckett, the chief mind-body therapist at the program, Laughter Club isn't structured around humor or jokes, but instead, it focuses on laughing as an exercise. The group will perform exercises like fake laughter and laughter greetings. What does this look like? A group of patients stand in a circle with their fingertips on their cheekbones. Some of them have on their chest or lower abdomen. The patients proceed to make ha-ha or he-he sounds with the objective of feeling the vibrations through their bodies. What starts out as a medical exercise soon turns into a laughing stop. Literally. According to one of the doctors in the program, an eight-year-old girl of a CTCA patient who was part of Laughter Club stated, quote, I never thought about laughing every day, but now I realize I can't. Like, even when I don't feel happy, I can still laugh and feel better, end quote. This is the power of laughter. I'm Daniel Lopez, and this is The Exchange Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to The Exchange Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. Oh yeah, I'm excited to be back. I am so excited to be back, guys. It has been way too long. Well, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about humor. I want to start out with a definition of what is humor. This is from Wikipedia. So if you're a Wikipedia dog, you understand (laughs) what I'm slicing up right now. This is the definition. Humor is the tendency of experiences to provoke laughter and provide amusement. The term derives from the humoral medicine of the ancient Greeks, which taught that the balance of fluids in the human body, known as humors, controlled human health and emotion. End quote. Now, according to the Greeks, laughter was an integral part of a balanced and healthy lifestyle. Too much laughter was too much laughter, but no laughter? That was a misbalance in a person's health. So guys, I want to ask you, what do you think this would look like for us as Americans if we took humor as an important part of human health? That reminds me of a, um, a funny clip on YouTube that uh, um, it's at the Oscars and Will Ferrell and Jack Black, and they sing this song about how lonely and hard it is to be a comedian at the oscars because they're the saddest ones of all because they never get any recognition for their comedic work dude it's true that i think that people appreciate comedies uh at least enough to for the office to be probably the number one watch show on netflix i think everyone's seen the office several times in a row people joke about oh i have nothing to watch tonight i guess i'll watch the office again but at the same yeah, time i saw a really great tweet that says um i pay ten dollars a month to netflix just so i can own all of the office dvds <laughs> That's exactly right i think that we value a lot of expression especially in in the american culture where express yourself is a really big slogan but i don't think that i ever see express yourself as people laughing 
I always see it as people saying whatever it is that they think is truth. So like expressing sad things or expressing things that are true. Um, but I've never really seen express yourself as, hey, make yourself laugh. Like go to a comedy show, go watch a funny movie. Yeah. And I think if if we looked at humor as holding the value of affecting our health the way that the ancient Greeks did, I think we would appreciate comedians. I think we would appreciate uh, expressing ourselves through laughter. I don't know if we really know exactly how to think about humor in, in the correct way. Do you think we tend to think of humor as something, what, what, in this way, what can I get from it versus what can I get out of it? Does that make sense? I feel like yeah. that's a nuance that's really particular. I don't know how to express it better. Yeah. yeah, I think we look at it as like momentary enjoyment and not yeah. like with any long-lasting effects. Oh, that's good, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the fault. I think that's a faulty way to look at it. I think though it is very in the moment, you know, once once you kind of finish laughing at a joke, you kind of move on from it. But I think the laughter from that joke can have a long effect on you that you may not notice. Well, that's uh, that's kind of what inspired the introduction story I made from the <laughs> laughing club that this doctor instituted for sick patients. And, I, you know, it brings up a good question. Is laughter enough to heal you? So I know that we brought up the Bible verse yesterday, Josh, if you don't mind referencing it. Oh, yeah. I think it's in Proverbs 11. It talks about how uh, uh, laughter does good like a medicine, I think is what it says. Yeah, so that's the question. Is laughter enough to heal you? I think we like to ask those kinds of questions as though, like, health is from one source or from one solution. I think a healthy lifestyle is a lot of things adding up to adding up to a healthy solution. So I think humor can be part of a healthy solution, but I don't think it is the healthy solution, if that makes sense. Well, I know the, I know that the science isn't strong enough. But like the little girl in the story, from experience, I do feel better when I laugh. Like if I'm really sick, I usually watch a comedy or if I had a really long day, I'll come home and watch The Office or Parks and Rec or something that's light. And, and the thing is, those shows don't escape from hard situations. There are hard situations in them. It's just that their approach to it is to say, I can either sit here and get depressed about this and be immobile or I can be lighthearted about it and be creative about finding a solution. The text is that that you referenced earlier is Proverbs seventeen twenty two. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And I, I mean, I, I would like to advocate. I don't think that means that uh, being depressed is a morally wrong thing. I think it's just saying that depression has negative physical um, kind of consequences or or things that happen to your body when you're depressed, and that being happy has positive. <laughs> consequences and positive things that happen when you're laughing yeah and uh kind of like what daniel was saying earlier i i i've had experiences similar to uh daniel what daniel was describing with the office to where i I can remember a specific time where uh my wife and i there was something that really difficult that happened that you know we had to talk about and think through and uh you know we weren't exactly sure what we were going to do or how we're going to move forward um or what moving forward looked like and uh, right before we started talking about it, I said, hey, why, why don't we just watch a quick episode of The Office together? So we just we grabbed a random episode. I don't remember which one it was. And we just watched it. And after it was over, uh, like the problem wasn't gone. And we still had to talk about it. But we felt a lot better while we were talking about it. The, there was something that the laughter and the joy that 
watching that did that that made that a much easier thing. Yeah, I could definitely <clears throat> speak to that experience. I've had very similar ones. I mean, that's that's the beauty of Proverbs is like you've got this culture that's thousands of years that's removed from ours where they didn't have the science and technology that we have, but they knew somehow that laughing made people feel better and depression made people feel worse. If there are any, I know there's a lot of naturopathic doctors and psychologists who do study the effects of stress on the human body and try to find ways to treat that via exercise or meditation, yoga. Um, there's a prayer, there's a platitude of ways to, to help people detox their, what, what we call the psyche. Um, but we don't know where that is. We don't know if it's in the mind. We don't know if, it, if it's in a spiritual plane that's attached to us. It's kind of unknown. We just know that it happens, which is really weird to me. No, that's, that's helpful, man. Yeah, we, we know it helps, but we don't know exactly how or why. We just know that it does. Uh, one story that comes to my mind is you guys have read Death by Living by Andy Wilson, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. He talks about, uh, do you guys remember the story on the airplane? Yeah, so N.D. Wilson and his family are going to Europe. Um, he is a literary professor at a college in the United States. And so he's writing, and the premise of the book is saying, hey, look, life is really hard, and you can either let that affect you negatively, or you can kind of see, you know, the narrative nature of your life, that it is like a book, it is like a movie, that these things don't have to make you depressed so they can actually be kind of funny depending on how you take it so they get on a plane to go to europe him and his family and they're getting off the plane and one of the kids throws up which is already stressful because you're traveling with three kids one of them throws up you know people around you are already annoyed so this is adding another layer of layer of annoyance and then they get off the plane and the kid keeps throwing up on the bus all the way for like 16 hours of their (laughs) tour he's just throwing up the whole time The funny thing is, when the kid threw up on the plane, another kid, unrelated to the family, also threw up as a gag reflux to his kid throwing up. So it was like a little barf fest. And once they got off the plane, him and his wife looked at each other and they realized, look, we can either let this set the tone for our whole trip, or we can just realize how funny this whole situation is. And so they took it and they laughed about it. And one, the kid was a lot less stressed because he wasn't freaking out that something was extremely wrong. And two, they just were able to work together and to cope and to get through that situation, um, seeing it from a cup half full kind of way. No, that's good, man. And that's a skill I try to cultivate in myself, to try to have the perspective of what I'm currently experiencing as if I were looking at it from a year later. There's a lot of difficult and hard things that I go through that really when I look at them a year later, um, there's there's an element of humor to it. And if I can just find a way to have that perspective of a year later looking back, I can tend to laugh even during difficult situations. And I think there's a level of uh, not just cultivating that mindset, but cultivating humility uh, in that you're able to laugh at yourself when ridiculous and absurd things are happening uh, to you and around you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think, too, though, one thing that needs to be said to, like, temper this, I think that's great thoughts, is, but I think sometimes we can use laughter as an escape, too, and I think it's important to not do that um, all the time. I think it's important to feel the emotions that you're meant to feel in the moments, too. Um, that's a really good point. Like, I, I know that I have a tendency in myself to, um, whenever something serious is happening, I'll try to crack a sarcastic joke. To I do the, the same thing, and then I get looks. Dude, yeah, I, I hate sarcasm. Mm. <laughs> to those of you who can't see Josh's face, it's, he's not being serious, which is the point of the of his line. Um, 
but I, or or like even like a a sentimental moment like when someone gives a compliment or something to say something kind of funny back or self-deprecating back i just think you kind of ruin the moment you know um uh, one of my good friends talks kind of talks about that a little bit too and he he references the scene in lord of the rings where um frodo and sam uh, are are talking about like the stories that the hobbits are going to tell about them and they both compliment each other um and and he says that that moment could have been ruined with a joke and I think it's important to keep humor in its context. Um, it can be a great escape, and I think it can be it can be used in that way a lot, and rightfully so. But uh, we all know the guy who can't take anything seriously, and I think that uh, is not funny. Yeah, that reminds me of Ecclesiastes three when Solomon talks about how uh, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to weep, and that introduces not just uh, an element of wisdom but a moral category to the wisdom. Um, and that you have to be able to discern in the moment, is this a time that it'd be more appropriate to, uh, like Alex was saying, to laugh with someone or to, um, to weep or to take it in or to participate or whatever? I have to be honest, guys. I'm typically the guy who goes too far. Like, I remember in college, Josh used to say, here's the line. Most people are typically <laughs> across it. But Daniel's just running with, full grace right across it every time like ah! <laughs> and i and it's something that i've improved it on but honestly not enough like there are times i don't think that it's happened at work yet but i know in my personal life it happens all the time where someone's trying to be serious and it's either so heavy that i'd rather just laugh about it or i just can't help always seeing a line from it um, and I mean, me and my siblings grew up like that. We were constantly making fun of each other, constantly cutting each other down. And I, I think it was a very healthy thing for us because now we're very open with each other. But now I, I tend to cope in adult situations much the same way where someone's saying something really serious, but I can't help but be like, oh man, there's a great line that would fit there. And then I just say it and you and you automatically see the look on their face of like, seriously? Yeah. Do you think there's like there's like a level of emotional maturity? Because um, like yeah. I can relate to that, so I, I feel like I, I really I actually I was talking with Sarah, who's my fiance, about this, and we were saying how I really have a hard time discerning people's emotions because I tend to not care. I think beyond that, though, um, like so, I, I relate to the stories you're telling. I think that I've done that before, where this is an inappropriate time to tell a joke or to make light of this, but I, I tell one anyway. <coughs> And it can ruin the moment. And um, I think that part of it in my experience is that I feel uncomfortable processing or experiencing whatever emotion I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be feeling right now. Um, yeah. And so I substitute that with a cheap joke to kind of um, cut it cut it off from happening before it does. That, that moment and that experience because I want to get out of it. And so I wonder how much of that is growing in emotional maturity uh, and being able to handle those different situations. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. That's something that I've that I've struggled with um, myself. Guys, speaking of that, I uh, want to get into the second portion of the podcast here. Laughing is essentially the experience produced by the human mind as a reaction to three main categories. And I think that we've touched on these already, but I'm going to go ahead and list them. It's tragedy. We can react laughter to coping. We can react in laughter to humor. But our episode is going to focus on humor, so I want to change the tone here a little bit and we're gonna narrow it down to that i want to ask you guys what makes something funny 
It's such a good question. <laughs> and to be clear for our audience, we really can only speak to our American culture. We cannot speak to a European culture with humor or an Asian culture with humor, Latin American. Fill in the culture. We can really only speak to our, our own culture because there are so many cultural uh, almost understandings and barriers to what is funny to each person. So we're talking about ourselves in our current culture. What makes something funny? Well, I think um, one thing that I think makes something funny is when you either um, maximize uh, something that is uh, minimal and you and you maximize the, the small things or you minimize the big things. So, like, I think Jerry Seinfeld is, is somebody who uh, excels at maximizing the small things um, like airline food or uh, the peanuts they give you like why is why are they so small you know like uh stuff like that so um and then i think when we make light of big things i think um that is also funny so like i i I was talking to a friend and um i referred to i can't remember the exact context I, i referred to death as like dying in in some way as game over man like like it's game over at that point and i think i was saying like if we're hiking through the woods or whatever and we find a bear it's game over at that point and he just started laughing and he said it's just funny how you took this like significant reality and like applied it to like a video game ending you know and i just think that could be funny too that's what jim gaffigan does in his waffle house skit i think like waffle house is ridiculous and uh no one likes to eat there (laughs) <laughs> really you eat there because you have to uh, i will like to advocate for some of our audience that i know a good bit of people who love waffle house okay it's so possible i, I, I it's will possible. advocate for them here on the episode in the throng you know in the vast numbers of the throng it's possible there's two or three people who like who do like waffle house. I, probably more than two or three <laughs> but they, they um, have a right to be wrong they do yeah oh this, is, this is america <laughs> this is america uh with that being said he you know, he he takes something that uh is maybe a bigger deal than you know airplane peanuts and that is the how awful waffle house is and maximizes it to make it uh appear more awful than it actually is um it's just another example of what alex was giving josh and i were in an improv group group in college and one of the things that we were told is that incongruity is funny so when you're doing improv the goal is not to be funny the goal is to make a really good story it has incongruous things in it. So you're walking down a path and out of nowhere something pops up. That's incongruous, but it's still a story which makes it very funny. Yeah, can you give an example of incongruity? Incongruity, man. So what would pop out of the path? So if you're walking down a path, what would be incongruous to jump out? So let's say you're thinking of walking down a path. Um, a fox would be normal, a rabbit. Uh, you would probably not expect Barney to pop up onto the path. <laughs> there you it's go. It's incongruous. It doesn't make any sense with the type of story that you set into place by saying you're walking down a path. And then you have to make, if you can make Barney incongruous also. So you yes. expect something from Barney, a message of love and joy and happiness. But if you make it the opposite of that, yes. so maybe yeah. Barney's running for his life or something like that. Um, while still trying to be joyful. And now all of a sudden you have a funny scene because of the incongruity. Exactly. Now if you place that into a good story, then it makes it very funny. Which I, I think in life that that's a lot of sarcastic lines are that way, where people point out things that don't make sense about the way that normal life works. I think a lot of comedians in America capitalize on that. They say, have you guys ever noticed that this thing is this way? 
why in the world would they do that? And then they go on and on about how incongruous it is and how it could it could probably have been a better design or a better thing. Like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think that like wit, like wittiness and also uh, good use of language is funny. Like uh, like Ghostbusters is known uh, the the old the 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 first the first two not the not the new one um, are, are known. You're sexist that. if you don't um, like it. You do realize that I'm guilty, I guess. Okay, at, at that. I just wanted to establish that. Um, but uh, there's a scene where um, one of the guys is has something just terrible has just happened to the group, and and he and he goes, oh, I, I I blame myself for that, and one of the other guy goes, Yeah, so do I. <laughs> Guys, are there moral categories for humor? Now, I mean, within our culture, again, but are there moral categories for humor? Like, are there things that we can say or not say? For example, um, when comedians use the F word, things like that, that typically in quote unquote proper culture, we wouldn't think is appropriate. But is that okay? Because I know a lot of the comedy that I've seen and I can't speak for you guys, but maybe you've seen um, people say things that are thought to be perverted or thought to be unacceptable language, and yet it's still very, very funny. Is that wrong or is that okay? So I think we have to say that there are moral categories to humor. Um, I don't think anything is uh, strictly outside the realm of either moral or um, amoral or whatever. I think everything can become moral um, because... God is a moral God, and He and all things flow from Him. The question is: is are those things? Is not are those things funny? Because they are funny. Um, they will invoke laughter. The question is: should we participate in the humor of those things? That's that's the question. I'd like to rephrase it that way. Um, now, okay, yeah. I so think we don't have to ask: is something funny or not? The question okay. is: should we be laughing at it, even though it is funny? Yeah, I would I would say yes, but I know Josh would disagree with me on this. Yeah, so I think one of the questions we have to ask first of all is what's what is humor's relationship to God? It, and if you if you pull up Psalm two, you you can you can say that well, he, laughter is something that God does experience. Joy is a fruit of the spirit, um, and so you know is it, then you have to ask is humor something that God created or is humor something that God is part of God's nature? Um, either way, you would have to say that God, God's relationship to humor is one of moral authority. Um, and so he could, he could, he dictates what should be laughed at and what should not be laughed at. Um, and I think that part of that also is you, you read the Beatitudes in Luke, uh, and it, he says, those who blessed are those who mourn now for they will laugh. Uh, Psalm 126 talks about, uh, the, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed and, and we laughed when, when God delivered his people out of Egypt, their response was one of laughter and so much joy that they laughed. Um, and so it seems that there, there are moral categories to humor that, that humor is part of the story of redemption and uh, laughter is part of the story of redemption. And something that God experiences and that we experience as we, um, as we experience God's redemption. And so I, I would say whatever's in the, the trajectory of that redemption story uh, and whatever is uh, consistent with what what that laughter looks like on the last day um, in, in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens, new earth. That's, that's what we should laugh at today. 
Okay, but I feel like that's just like one layer of laughter. Because in both of those, well, one with the with the children of Israel, quote unquote, crossing the Red Sea, that almost sounds like a laughter from from heightened emotion. So it's like when people lose their mind and they just start laughing because they don't know what else to do, or they're so joyous that they're laughing, but they don't really understand why. It's just a reaction to it. Um, God laughing at his enemies is part of incongruity. Well, you know, I'm so big, you're so small. You really seriously? So yeah, I get how that's humor, but like I like. I think like even the story of the story of Ehud. Can you answer the question specifically though? Like I know I'm not saying that we have to get bogged down in details, but I know for a lot of Christians, that's the question is like we can watch this, but we can't say it. Like why? I I personally don't understand that. Um, there's words that that I use, and I know that now we're we're straying a little bit from humor, but humor is a big venue for this. There are words that I see on TV that are used, or types of comedy that is used that then people in the christian culture that i'm in don't use but i know that they watch it i know they think it's funny um and by i think it's funny i mean i know that they laugh at it and that i laugh at it and i'm okay with that and so i'm okay with using it in my in my normal life because i've almost disassociated that from something that is immoral so and that comes from being like okay but it's cultural like these words they're just words and they're being used to make something even funnier so it must be okay for me to use it in my normal life does that make sense like if it's not cutting someone down, I don't know that it's wrong. Yeah, I, I do think um, that uh, that as Christians we're called to control our emotions and um, you know not be slaves to them, like not just feel whatever we're whatever is attacking us in the moment. Um, and I think laughter is included in that. Um, so I think that there are things that, though they may be funny, we we do need to be careful not to participate in. Um, now, I don't know where that line is. Um, I think it might be wider than we think it might be, um, coming from a, a conservative background. Um, because to me, I feel the tension that Daniel's getting at with... I don't, I, I kind of, fa- I, in some ways, I kind of fail to see how a joke about Waffle House can contribute to the story of redemption. Though I think it does, but I don't know exactly how. But I feel like, but that's, I feel like you're just like, like laying on your own butter. Like you're like, well, it must. Don't know how, but I know it must. So, it, but that's, that does, that's not helpful. Like that doesn't address the tension. I guess what I'm saying is that if it's not inconsistent with it, then it's consistent with it. But that's like saying, well, you did not vote or like, well, you didn't vote for this person. We also didn't vote for that person. I guess what I'm saying. Okay. You so see he, what I'm saying? So yeah, like, here's what saying I'm, like, because it wasn't done, then it must so, be. So blasphemous things are not funny, even though sometimes. Well, we did talk about the fact that they may be actually funny. Well, I mean, like I shouldn't part. Yeah. Good. Wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah, just I because something's be. funny doesn't mean it's good. Exactly, and that's the question. Is it immoral? Is it moral? I shouldn't participate in blasphemous jokes. Yeah. Though, initially speaking, they might be, they might cause me to laugh. I shouldn't participate in those things. Because they are explicitly against the, the narrative of redemption. Yeah, and I would say that, that Christians, because Christians experience the joy from the Holy Spirit, and because we... Uh, our, our greatest problem has been fixed, solved by God. We have all, we should be the most, we should laugh and be more humorous than any people uh, in, in the world. Um, and I think that part of that is, is recognizing that there, 
when when God made uh, when God made the Garden of Eden, He made a thousand yes trees and one no tree, and one one law of no, don't eat this fruit, but everything else you can eat. And I think that it's we should view all of our life, including humor, in that same way. That there's there's a few things that God has said no to, but everything else God has said yes to. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, God hasn't really explicitly said no to comedians. No, I yeah, using like the f word in their stand up. I just, I just I keep I keep feeling like it's like it's breaching. Yeah, I mean, I would say to that. So I would say I would use the same categories of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians four: Let no corrupting talk come out of your own mouth, but only sure, but what is used for edifying. So you're saying when the church sees it, don't don't laugh. So I would say the way that God sees it, but I think the church is often wrong with how God sees it. Like I've been to churches before where no one laughs, <laughs> no one smiles the whole time, and that's not what God would want. Um, and so there's there's a far extreme to where you just don't laugh at anything, you don't participate in the joy that God wants you to. But another far extreme that you laugh at things that God finds um, morally disgusting. And if you laugh, you won't. People in heaven won't be laughing at those things on the last day. Let me ask you a question, Daniel. Would you say that there are things that are that though they might be funny in the moment, you should not laugh at? Them? Yeah. How how do you? I think, but I think those are conditioned situationally. So there there's no like there's no moral to it. I think the morality is created by where, when, and what context it was said. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're Does not. That makes sense. And I think that's the point of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. But I three. don't think that that it's across the board using the F word yeah, is immoral. Regardless of of Ephesians, um, because like for example, I you know I give the example of a comedian who was talking about his college, asking him for more money, and he he's like it's like that scene and it's a Wonderful Life where Jimmy Stewart Jimmy is it Stewart Jimmy Stewart goes to the bank and he's choking the guy and he's like give me my money give me my money you fat and then he uses the f word and it's hilarious and in that instance it's incongruity you can, you can manipulate it and say. Well, he used the F word to edify people. So is that wrong? If I use the F word in a way that doesn't cut someone down, which is the opposite of saying that it would edify people, um, is that wrong, you know, to be funny, to make other people laugh? Is that okay? I think that the, the what I'm saying is that the same rules that apply to our everyday language should apply to humor. And so I think that the Bible is, is uh, maybe stricter and maybe looser than we give it credit for when it comes to the way we use our language. The Bible's category is, does this edify or does this cut down? It doesn't give you a list of words that you can and can't say. Well, it can't because culture is always changing and language is always evolving. So that's why it gives a broader moral category and it calls for wisdom. I do, I do think that maybe with creative things, there's a little bit more license than just everyday language. Because I think with like everyday speech, you're, you should be more aware of the context of where you're at than with making art. And I think uh, art takes risks. And I think, I think even some of those risks are the risks of being in the wrong context when somebody could be enjoying your art. So I think with everyday language, we have to take more responsibility upon ourselves for where we're at and what the things that we say. But I think with art, you can kind of have an agreement with your patronage that, hey, I'm going to, you know, you know what I'm about. You know what I'm offering. Um, There are certain jokes that I think are funny for adults. And I think, I don't know if kids should really listen to them because they, they, they probably won't be able to to handle or to process them in the, in the correct ways. Um, So I think that there is a certain bit of license that's given to 
creative uh, artists with these sorts of things. Yeah, and I think there are things that I joke with my wife about that I don't joke with anyone else about. You of know, course. like there are yeah. there are, there are inside jokes that we have also that we that we don't have with other people, and there's just the, the, in an intimate context, um, in relation relationship context, there is a level of appropriateness to where um, that that line of a time to laugh and a time to weep, that situational line, um, is in a different place than it is with other people. The 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 potential for misinterpretation is less the more the more the closer you are to somebody which is why i think it, the bible standard of does this edify or does this cut down it, it's much harder than we give it credit for because it takes that wisdom it takes that time and that thought of is this something that's appropriate or not yeah well, I agree. um i just have a question for our listeners have you ever told a joke that you wish you could take back <laughs> you don't have to tell us what the joke was but maybe you could hint at it on Twitter, yeah. Ooh, I, I know that I have, and 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 the 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 category that I find myself in a lot is uh, like making fun of people, or making cracks at people, and 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 usually those misjudging the relationship. Ooh, yes. that's good. So yeah, so like, because I think sarcastic remarks at at people, you have to have like a built up relationship with them, and I think sometimes I jump the gun on that, and I think that's kind of where I can get in trouble sometimes. That's a good point. Josh, you have anything to add? No, man. No, I, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for writing it, Daniel. Thank you for listening to our conversation on the Exchange Podcast. We work hard to make each one of these episodes engaging and thought-provoking. And now it's your turn. Do you have any thoughts about today's episode? We'd love for you to join the Exchange online by following us on Facebook and Twitter. Links are in the show description. And while you're at it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing. We've received all of our music for Season 2 from HookSounds.com. There are some great tracks and artists available on that site. If you're looking for music for an upcoming project, we highly recommend you go with them. Thanks again for listening, and from all of us here at The Exchange Podcast, I'd like to wish you a good night and good luck.